Hi, everybody. This is Indy Damaka, and in this season of unrest and illness, it is important for me to reiterate the purpose of the 40th Year Podcast. This podcast is here to educate and entertain the global audience about popular culture in association to societal issues. It's imperative to know that the 40th Year Podcast can be explicit in nature due to language. I ask if you are under the age of 18, please have a parent or guardian sit with you to discuss any topics where you didn't understand. In addition, any topics discussed on the 40th Year Podcast has been researched with the best of my knowledge. Let's start this episode. All right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Indita Baca, and this is episode 29 of the 40th Year Podcast. Again, welcome. Um, as usual, I have some new tidbits, some new updates about topics from previous episodes. Let's talk about AMC theaters. If you are not aware, AMC is getting ready to open up some of their theaters this Thursday. They are going to be operating at 30% capacity, though. So remember that. Um, that would mean 70% of the theater will not be operational. You're probably thinking, well, what about social distancing? Um, it looks like they're going to be using a new ticket technology that will give, um, a person who is at a theater that allows you to do reserve seating, the opportunity to buy seats around them. But unfortunately, if you choose not to participate in the reserve seating part, you just have to anticipate a person that might not follow the six feet social distancing rule while you're at the theater. It looks like on Thursday, they're going to be <clears throat> giving their customers the opportunity to pay 15 cents to get in and watch a movie. Yeah, I know. I told you guys there, there's a possibility they might be filing bankruptcy, but for some reason, this is the marketing um, pool that they're using because they have been in existence for a hundred years. And when they opened their first theater in Kansas city in 1920, it was 15 cents to get in to watch a movie. So they want to celebrate with you guys by doing that. Um, another thing that you also need to know is that when you go to AMC, you will no longer get the opportunity to get refills on popcorn and drinks. I was like, oh, God, that that's the part I'm concerned about. They might start boxing them kids up at the concession stand. The concession stand will be open, but you do not get to get refills. So um, buck up, guys. I guess you might have to bring some microwave popcorn in your bag. OK, don't say I told you all to do that, but it's an idea. I mean, they're not going to be checking, are they? Plus, um, they are also planning to open other um, theaters later on next week about 300 they hope by the beginning of september um new york city and la the theaters there they have not been given proxy to open yet due to governmental um regulation so unfortunately you guys might be last on the totem pole um some of y'all are like 15 cents though yeah it's 15 cents i was trying to figure out was it the entire day or was it like matinee time but for some reason i'm i couldn't get like a full confirmation about it, but it appears that it's all day. So if you want to go to the movies, Thursday is it on the 20th. Next up is Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon looks like he is getting ready to sue Viacom, CBS, 
um, for the branding rights of Wilding Out. Now, if you're not familiar with Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon has been with Viacom CBS since he was a little kid um, working on Nickelodeon and he has roles to be associated to other channels in the portfolio. And so right now he had Wiling Out, which was on VH1. And so Wiling Out was his programming. Um, it was like comedic programming, actually, kind of like improv. And so at this point, somewhere along the way, he lost control of it, it looks like. Like he had production credit to it, but apparently the conversation of branding was no longer resting on his shoulder. So he's going to be suing them for $1.5 billion. If you don't understand why he's suing them, he has was released by Viacom due to some anti-Semitic statements he made on his uh, personal programming, a podcast that he had. And so with the fact that CBS has a number of Jewish people associated to their companies, it made sense to them to sever ties. He was upset about it because as he says in a state in a statement that he released um, after announcing that he was suing, he felt that he brought a lot of money to the table with Wilding Out. So he feels like it's only right to fight to get his um, name back, which I agree. As a creator, that's very true. Uh, my only fear for him is that he ends up, they end up tearing through the contract to find that there was some kind of glitch in the system and he has wasted his time and his money to find out that it's a no-go. In addition, some people are saying that Viacom has no use for Wild It Out and that they may just simply drop it. Because if you remember in previous episodes, I had said that with Viacom, they're in the midst of removing redundancy and just stuff that they don't really want to talk about anymore. And something made me think that Wild It Out might, might have been one of them. Only because initially, Wildin' Out used to be on MTV2, and then it was on MTV, and then finally it's on Viacom. So I wish him luck with that lawsuit, but it looks like it's going to be a little sticky depending on how Viacom plays it and what the contracts look like in the end. You know, it's always what happens in the end. Um, next up, if you all have not heard, it looks like uh, Brianna Taylor's family, Miss um, Palmer, um, sat down with Attorney General Daniel Cameron of Kentucky in regards to the conversation of Breonna Taylor's um, murder and the possible indictment of the police officers who have been mentioned to be associated to her murder. Um, it appears that Ms. Palmer feels comfortable and confident about what Mr. Cameron is going to do for her and her family. But I was like, was there a timeline given? There was no timeline given, which I was really kind of baffled by, but listening to a lot of digital media and um, other podcasters, it appears that blame is being placed on attorney Benjamin Crump. I was like, oh Lord, what does that mean? And then I thought about it. Okay. I did call him an ambulance chaser. So in my mind, he has his hand on a number of cases currently and a number of cases in the past where I'm trying to figure out, are they calling him an obstacle? Or is it a scapegoat to use? But then again, it's kind of convenient that that would be said right now. But it looks like listening to the streets of Dallas there, they are calling him out as well in regards to why Amber Geyer's defense team is wanting to reopen her case 
and try to get her out of jail early. Um, I, it's intriguing. I think it's something that he needs to take into consideration because right now we're looking at George Floyd in Minneapolis and to find that Derek Chavon is the only person that's still in jail and that the other officers have been released on bonds supposedly because I, I put a question mark on that because you know they're police officers. Those bonds were pretty high. Um, it's moving slow because they said March 2021, I think was when they were getting ready to do the actual grand jury conversation. And so it makes me wonder, is that what they're saying in Minneapolis? Because they've become very quiet since the abundance of um, hostile warfare, somebody calls it up there, um, since George Floyd passed. And so I think with everybody that is involved in something that is related to police brutality and attorney Benjamin Crump has his hand on, I'm afraid that he might be the reason why they're slow pocketing. And I don't understand why. Well, I mean, I understand, but it, it it's making me think, okay, then who is attorney Benjamin Crump really? I know Ken, Kenya Barris is getting ready to do a documentary centered around um, attorney, uh, attorney Crump for Netflix. So it'd be interesting to hear what he says, because some people are saying it's going to be very fluffy. We're not going to get the nitty gritty about Mr. Crump, because the only thing that I can get is that he's an esteemed attorney who worked during the civil rights movement. But then in another pocket, he had been very derogatory about a number of civil rights leaders currently and in the past. So um, at this point, in my mind, attorney Crump would need to come and sit at the table with the families to figure out what is really going on, because it looks like they're pointing at Crump for the delay. And so I don't know if he's really a hindrance or it's just an scapegoat that the judicial systems are using across the country. But again, I did say he's an ambulance tracer chaser and I don't really trust him. So only time will tell. It was good to hear that at least uh, Breonna Taylor's family got to at least come to the table with Daniel Cameron and to get a, a little word. But I still think that after the Democratic National Conference or convention and the Republican National um, Convention, we will get a better understanding of what will happen and who will get indicted for Breonna Taylor's murder. Let's get to the topics at hand. Okay, y'all. So I'm going to talk about Kanye West. Girl, you talking about this presidential election? No, I'm not. I'm talking about fashion. I don't talk about fashion enough like I used to. So I rather talk about fashion than this attempt to become the U.S. president. It appears that there is some kind of problem between Kanye West and a designer called a designer named Kirby John Raymond. As you know, West is the chief designer of the Yeezy brand, which is currently associated to Adidas and Gap. And so Kirby John Raymond is the chief designer for a brand called Prior Moss. And so what it looked like is that if you haven't been paying attention to Kanye West, he's been introducing some new pieces that are coming out 
soon. I guess it's, it could be this fall. I didn't know if that was his fall collection for 2020 or that was going to be showcasing or he was showcasing some pieces from his spring, summer 2021 because September is coming and they're still having their New York Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week and Milan Fashion Week. It's just going to be done virtually, I believe, for the international audience. And so I didn't know really what the pieces were for because I was just trying to keep out of Kanye West business. You know what I mean? Because I don't I don't I don't feel like talking about it. But the only reason why this conversation intrigued me was because of the way the fashion media community kind of acted. Um, certain people were talking about it and then it was like a post and delete. So I was kind of confused. Um, rumor has it allegedly that uh, many people thought that Kirby John Raymond copied a pair of sneakers that Kanye West just recently revealed. Kirby John got on his social media and told the kids and the kids are the kids who associate themselves to wanting to know everything and anything about Kanye West, that the shoes that he put out were two years before the shoes that he just recently presented. Now, if you know what Kanye West shoes look like, they're really futuristic. They're very, I want to say space age kind of. Now, he has a pair of sneakers that I liked. And those were the sneakers that he had initially introduced to the community when he started the Yeezy brand. And the material on the shoe that he presented recently, that's what it reminded me. But it still had that like space age look to it. And his shoe was white on the top and yellow on the bottom. Now, and it was that very bulky shoe, but it was still very space age. Where Kirby John Raymond's shoe for Prior Moss was white on the top and yellow at the bottom, but it was more, it looked more sneaker-like because like Kanye's sneakers, as he's continued on, they've started to look very space age. I don't really consider them sneakers, especially a lot of times because of the material. So John Raymond's shoe was very sneaker very a very chunky bottom you know we, we i call them elderly people shoes you know those very chunky they're very supportive to the base of the foot and so if i had to choose i would have picked uh kirby john raymond's shoe versus kanye west and so i guess the community that follows uh yeezy thought that kirby john had copied off of him but he has had his shoe out in that in that color scheme in that imagery since 2018 so he's basically calling Kanye West a copycat um, I'm gonna try to see if I can get a the pictures and show them on my Twitter account um, so that y'all can take a look at them because but I can't find them because I was confused that's why I'm telling the story because I thought it was I thought it was something about West that they were trying to not like push him over the edge or whatever but I'm like come on Kanye this y'all your, your, your fan base is acting a little out outlandish these days it, I mean I hate to be the bear of bad news it looked like you kind of copying them but you know it is what it is you know it, it, it that's what normally happens in fashion people see something they love it it's popular let me see how I can re rework it and make it mine and so it's like you got to kind of grin and bear it it has to be precisely the same imagery to get somebody in trouble and I didn't see that and I just thought people were being messy with Kirby John Raymond because this is really why I wanted to tell the tell this story was that they said that people were wondering who is Kirby John Raymond related to is he related to the pop sensation Usher Raymond 
Is he related to Wyclef John, the super producer, the musician? Is he related to um, <clears throat> Bontem John's family? Is he related to Steve Harvey's daughter's husband? And so with, when I mentioned these four, these four groups of people, for Bontem John's family, Kanye West doesn't like attorney Benjamin Crump. For uh, Carly Harvey Raymond, uh, uh, Kanye West doesn't like her husband, Benjamin, nor her daddy, Steve Harvey. He doesn't like Usher, apparently, allegedly. And he doesn't like Wyckoff John. So in my mind, we're wondering, did he copy it to be mean? It didn't really, it was like Kirby John, you're like the, you are the downfall of it. You got played because of these four people that you could potentially be, be associated to. And like Bontem John's family, I ain't got nothing to do with it. it again, it's Benjamin Crump, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. I, I don't get it, but I'm going to try to get the picture and show it on my Twitter. My Twitter is NC Anakagu and I'm going to try to put it, I'm going to try to find it. But so if you don't see it on my Twitter account, I'm super sorry. I can't find the pictures but it I thought that was a crazy rumor but you never know what you're gonna get with Kanye West and so if he was throwing shade at Wyclef John and Benjamin Crump and Steve Harvey and Usher Raymond and Benjamin Raymond I thought that was crazy but you never know um next up is that I was excited to hear this, but I had got kind of confused is that they're doing a biopic on Mahalia Jackson. And if you are not familiar with Mahalia Jackson, she is one of the most profound gospel singers for me to date. Um, she was a civil rights movement in herself. Um, and what I end up finding out is that there's actually going to be two pictures about her. It's one going to be on Lifetime that's uh, executive produced by Robin Roberts. And Danny Brooks is the woman who's going to be playing Mahalia Jackson. If you remember uh, Danielle Brooks, she was on um, Netflix, Orange is the New Black. Um, she played Tasty. And then the one that's going to be in the theaters, which, you know, I'm an avid Jill Scott fan. So Jill Scott is going to be playing Mahalia Jackson in that film. And that one is executive produced by uh, Queen Latifah, Jamie Foxx, and... Um, a lady with the last name of Carter. Let me get this article so I can give y'all some better information. Okay, so Jill Scott is going to be playing Mahalia Jackson in the biopic that's going to be um, in the theaters. It's just going to be called Mahalia. Um it's going to be executive produced, as I said, by Jamie Foxx, Queen Latifah, her um, Queen Latifah's partner, Shaquem Comprid, if I'm pronouncing your last name wrong, I'm sorry. And Holly Carter, who actually was an executive producer for the Clark Sisters movie on Lifetime. Um, the movie Mahalia is going to be based on a novel by a lady named Darlene Donlow, uh, entitled Mahalia Jackson. Um, Jackson had become one of the wealthiest and most powerful entertainers in the world. She was a mentor and inspiration behind Aretha Franklin. Um, Jackson rose from um, brutal poverty in New Orleans to become a platinum selling artist. She was the first gospel singer to perform at Cargany Hall and would continue to captivate audiences until her death in 1972. 
Um, the one for Robin Roberts, where she's the executive producer for Lifetime, that one is going to be called The Mahalia Jackson Story. And again, it will be um, starring Danielle Brooks. So that will be interesting to see. It looks like Mahalia, the production team for Mahalia was able to secure, secure the rights to um, Jackson's entire music catalog which includes How I Got Over, Her Eyes Are on the Sparrow, Moving On Up, A Little Higher, Amazing Grace, and Go Tell It on the Mountain. Um, I think it's going to be a very good presentation, especially with Jill Scott. I think she is going to really do a good job in that role. I think Danielle is going to do a really good job um, with the Lifetime uh, presentation as well, because she also sings too. If y'all didn't know that she has a song. I can't think of the name of it right now, but they're both very gifted singers. So I think that'll be very um, inspirational to see. Now, you know, I'm always, I'm always going to give you a little bit of rumor. It appears, though, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly Taraji P. Henson ain't really happy. I was like, why is she not happy? She wants to play Mahalia Jackson. They were like, yes. I was like, well, which one? I, at this point, I don't think she cared. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't, I mean, oh, I don't know. I don't, it's not that I, no, I, okay, let me stop lying. I don't see her, I can't see her playing Mahalia Jackson. You got to have a certain tone in your voice first and foremost, which Jill Scott and Daniel Brooks has. And I mean, you got to be a strong, lengthy and earthy singer to get that music off. If you've never heard Mahalia Jackson, Google her on YouTube. And then tell me if you think Taraji P. Henson has has it in her to sing so they said she's mad at jamie fox and queen latifah apparently i think miss holly too um i feel like miss carter is probably the theological um consultant on there because she's in ministry and so i guess she knows the three and she's not happy with them she doesn't really know robin roberts but no she's talking i guess talking shit about y'all for real i guess allegedly um, that's something that Miss Henson would have to debunk with y'all, but that's what we're hearing. Um, but yeah, take a peek of her music. It's I, it's one particular song that I like, and it was some it was it was a difficult song for me, honestly, because she it it's entitled "Lord, Don't Move the Mountain." I'm like, why not move it? I, I'm I'm praying to get rid of it. But in her conversation, it's not about moving the mountain. It's about finding techniques to get around it. And so in my beginnings as a Christian, that just that didn't make sense to me. But today I understand why she said it. So that's why I'm excited about these presentations, because I think they're going to be a really, really well presentations. Let's talk about something else. All right, y'all. So you all know that right now, many of the Democratic Party is kind of surfing the Internet because it's the Democratic National Convention and it's available to everybody. You can go on YouTube. Um, they're doing it on there. And so we know Joe Biden um, picked 
Kamala Harris as his VP. And so right now they're trying to figure out if he is going to be the actual party's selection. Now, I know we're now saying presumptive um, Democratic candidate um, for the presidential election in November. But what I saw recently, I thought, oh, oh, oh my. Um, it's a woman, and I'm going to be talking about her next week because um, there is some rumors circulating around her that I hoped would die down, but they have gotten rather loud. And as I had assumed, you can always find it on the internet. She has positioned herself to tell everybody that she did not vote for Biden and Harris as they get ready to collectively, as they're currently collect collectively doing the voting process for who will be the actual Democratic candidate. I laughed at her because she doesn't realize how messy she is in St. Louis County, Missouri. And so I'm gonna have to give her the word next week. I can hear y'all going, oh Lord, no, no, no. Oh yes, yes, yes. Is it gonna be very similar to I'm so hood? It might be, I'm trying to calm myself down. You're like, it includes you, yes it does. And I am so confused by this woman because I've never met her before, correct? It's imperative to understand that if they are the Democratic choice for president and VP, that you should expect that the presentation of the black woman is going to either go left or right and not in between. You're going to have the ones who are edifying and trying to push the door open for the black woman to win and that's Kamala Harris and you're going to have the ones who are going to act downtrodden and malicious to tear every black woman down to get at Kamala Harris and it's important for you to understand that because that's the name of the game and the reason why I know for a fact that it's taking place is that Donald Trump has already start, started dropping digital ads. And the one I thought saw on YouTube was so disparaging that I actually thought, oh my God, he literally calls Joe Biden a cokehead. Not Coca-Cola, I'm talking about cocaine. Cocaine. He is saying, it's, it, it, I, I looked at that and I was afraid to hit the damn thing to look at it. He said, Joe Biden is a cokehead. A cocaine user is what he says. And I thought, where in the fuck did you get that from? Oh my God, who is doing your digital media campaigns already? And how much money did you spend on it, Donald Trump? What the hell? And so with that alone, because like they're saying right now, Donald Trump is making it clear that he's not going to help anybody who is going to come into the White House. He said he's going to start shredding documents, which to me puts him in a certain place to get harmed in my mind. And so for him to start saying stuff like they started calling um, Kamala a hoe and a mattress. And I thought, oh, and I was like, OK, that's enough. But you got to understand that term hoe and that term mattress. When they say mattress is that she's easy or she's easily done or she's like a busybody. She it has a lot of sex to get by. And that's what they mean. It's an old school term, though. And that term to be to be very honestly, because I've never heard anybody from this organization say it. But people, the term mattress, they said that allegedly came from the nation of Islam because they said they teach their women that to be mattresses. 
And so um, it's intriguing to me that that is where we're going. And so you're saying, okay, they're calling Kamala Harris a nation of Islam. Let me say this. I don't really know her father. I know her father is Jamaican and there's not much information, but the fact that he was working as a professor at Stanford University, which I hold him in high regard for that. Um, but I, I literally think, I hate to say it, that it's T.I. or Tip Harris, Clifford Harris. Um, you know, he's an Atlanta rapper, actor, entrepreneur, activist. He has been in the room with the Nation of Islam and he and he supports them, apparently. So I figured they're trying to take what Clifford does and throw it on Kamala. And so it's important. A lot of you are like, we have to protect her so that she, um, you know, you know, she doesn't fall apart. But that's you all playing into the notion that she's not adequate enough to be in the seat in my mind. And so for me, my statement to Kamala Harris is to buck up. Because some of y'all are saying if y'all catch us saying anything negative about her or if you catch us saying something out of line that will be offensive to her, you all are going to put us on blast. I said I was going to send pitches to people like if you're going to say I'm a donkey of the day, hey, I want them to say she a cute donkey of the day because I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for her when she knows she's going to be in one of the highest seats globally in the first black woman or mixed race woman to sit for the United States. And so it's imperative for her to understand that. I mean, I am a woman of color who's done many things and I was the first of this and first of that. Nobody held my hand. Why should I hold Kamala Harris's hand? And that's important for her to realize it doesn't, I don't really care about her being an HBCU or because, you know, with the HBCU system, that's the thing that we forget is because when we look at it, the HBCU system today, we hear a lot of inadequacies. But back in the day, the HBCU system was the African-American families who were elite and could play, could pay the tuition outright for their child to go to school. And that's still the same thing today. But the problem is, is that they don't have that many blacks who can afford it outright anymore. And so that's where the inadequacies, inadequacies of education falls on the HBCU system. And then you have predators that make these girls feel like if you become a mattress, if you become a hoe, then everything is OK. And you can get your degree from Spelman or Howard or Tuskegee or Alabama A&M or Florida A&M. And that I mean, it, with her sitting in the seat, she could change the presentation of what it would be for an HBCU or because currently the whole and mattress statement is that's what they're saying. I, I said that before in a previous episode about the HBCU effect. It, 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 it's so mind blowing to me. And that, I think that's really why I am not sure of her. Do I think she's a whole, do I think she's a mattress? I pray not, but because she went to Howard university, I wouldn't be shocked. And that's and, and I need to say that because I'm not going to go back and like recant stuff. That's that's not me. And so, like I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat nothing because, like I said, they're going to come after all of us. And when I say all of us, the entire black. The entire black movement that has the face of a woman. They're going to degrade our experience just to get rid of Biden and Harris. And we have to buck up in unison. So it doesn't matter whether you didn't go to school 
or you went to a trade school or you went to a predominantly white institution or you went to an HBCU, we're going to have to buck up. You did not hear me wrong. It is the ad is on YouTube. That's where I saw it. He called Joe Biden a cokehead. My words, not the exact exact words that is on the ad. That was mind blowing to me because I had never seen a presentation like that during a presidential election. So this is going to be interesting because remember, Donald Trump is going to stop at nothing to stay in that seat. He's done what he can for USPS to kill mail-in votes. He said he was not going to sit down with any transitional team. And that is historically what every president has done upon losing his seat. He said he will shred documents. And that lets you know he wasn't doing anything right in there for one. And he and this Kanye West thing, I don't actually understand it, to be honest with you, because you all are saying that Republican operatives are helping him. And I'm really afraid for him, like for his uh, for his physical health in this, because I don't feel like he is going to work. He, I feel like he is going to be made an scapegoat and I don't know what that's going to look like. And then you have those in the Democratic Party who are like, oh, I'm so excited that it's Kamala Harris and it's a black woman. But secretly, you wanted it to be Cuomo. And you decided to pick Sanders. So we'll see on the day that they make the announcement, which I think. It's the it's I guess it's Thursday. Or tonight. But I think it's Thursday night that they're going to be making the full announcement that it's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, or will they, will it be Sanders? I mean, it, I, I, I just, I, I guess hold on to your hats because a lot of y'all are making the assumption, but what if we get to the thing and they change their mind and now suddenly, okay, we can deal with the fact that Sanders is Jewish and independent. Let's put him up. Because that's going to show you who who is who. Like I told you, this thing from St. Louis County, she has already said that it ain't Biden and Harris. So we'll see what happens by the end of this week with this situation. I applaud her. Congratulations. Um, but love, you got to buck up. Ain't, ain't, ain't no way. I'm not going to protect you. You need to buck up. Cause they trying to kill you at the DNC and you don't, and you don't even know that, or maybe you do, but that's the end of this podcast guys. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I will talk to y'all next week. God willing. Bye-bye now.